Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, today's the feast day, like I said, of St. Anthony of the desert. This is not the Anthony that you pray to when you lose things. This is, this is another Anthony, right? This is the Anthony who is the founder of monasticism, uh, who right around the turn of the third century went into the desert, into the wilderness to um, do exactly what Jesus said to do, which was sell your possessions, give to the poor, and he sought after the kingdom of God. Just an amazing, amazing man. I was just struck, I'm, this is not what I have to preach about, but I was just struck when I was thinking about before Mass that his name, Anthony of the Desert, like what would my of the be? Like Patrick, like of the couch, I hope not, right? Like, like think, you know what I mean? Like, like he chose the desert, this place of deprivation, this place of combat, right? It's, it's intense, he's an intense man. So we ask for his intercession today. I want to look at the, uh, the first reading we have from Mass today, from the letter to the Hebrews. We hear this at the end of this section today. We're hearing about how our hope is like an anchor that is beyond the veil. It's a powerful, beautiful image. The image of our hope being this thing that is so strong, but it's beyond the veil, in the interior of the veil. You have to have a little Jewish framework uh, to understand a little bit more of this imagery, right? Because for the Jews, for especially in Jerusalem, especially for their big feasts like the Feast of Yom Kippur, the high priest, and only the high priest, had the authority to enter into the Holy of Holies once per year to make atonement for himself and for the people. It was the Feast of Atonement. And what was the Holy of Holies? Well, the temple in Jerusalem was built as a series of courts. Think of like, like Russian nesting dolls, right? So there's these series of courts, an outer court, inner court, inner court, and an inner, inner, inner court. And the innermost court was the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies were several things. You had the, originally they had the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the tablets of the law, the manna bread, and the staff of Aaron. It was the mercy seat. It was the throne of God. Also within the Holy of Holies was the menorah, the seven uh, lampstands. And then this table that had the bread of the presence on it, the showbread. And the Holy of Holies was separated off by this very big, thick curtain that hung from the ceiling. And of course, the, the, the theology of all of this was that God's dwelling was within the Holy of Holies. It was the, the hottest center, if you will, like the core of the star where God's presence was most densely uh, concentrated. It was the dwelling place of God. So when the high priest had the role of going into the Holy of Holies for the Feast of Yom Kippur, it was, you have to imagine, a terrifying prospect for him, right? Because all of those words in the Old Testament of you cannot see the face of God and live, right? So they would literally, they would tie a rope to the ankle of the high priest. Should he drop dead in the midst of his service, like, how do we get his body out of there? We'll tie a rope to him. And then they would pull his body, his corpse, out of the Holy of Holies. That was what they did. That was what they did. So, this earthly temple in Jerusalem that was built by Solomon, it was a tiny, 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 if you will, 
icon, a microcosm of the heavenly temple, the heavenly sanctuary. That was the theology, right? God, when he spoke to Moses in the desert, he showed him a pattern. He showed him a vision of the tabernacle, the, the tent of the meeting that he would have them build. And he says to him, build according to the pattern that you shall see, that I will show you. And that's how this worked, that God showed the uh, Israelites the pattern that he wanted them to construct. So the heavenly temple was concretized in the earthly temple. So now you have Jesus on the scene. Jesus, who is the great high priest. Right? That's the theology of the book of Hebrews, the letters of the Hebrews, the theology of the great high priest. And Jesus, who is in the line of Melchizedek. What does that mean? Well, you go back to Genesis, you have this interesting figure, this enigmatic figure of Melchizedek who comes to meet Abraham and he offers him a sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice does Melchizedek offer? He offers the sacrifice of bread and wine. Does that sound familiar to us Catholics? Yes? Okay. He offers the sacrifice of bread and wine. This sacrifice of bread and wine came to be known as the Todah in Hebrew. It was unlike the Passover sacrifice, which was celebrated once a year in thanksgiving to God. The Todah was a continuous sacrifice of thanks to God offered every single day. Does that sound familiar to Catholics, right? Just want to make sure we're paying attention. Okay, so now here we have Jesus, the new high priest, the new Melchizedek, who offers himself in the upper room under the appearances and the gifts of bread and wine who then on the, on the following day enters into combat on the cross, enters into death, passes through death, comes out on the other side in the resurrection, and then he ascends to glory. So what is the ascension of Christ? It is when Jesus, the great high priest, takes our humanity and enters into the heavenly temple, enters into the heavenly temple beyond the veil, so what the earthly high priest did, he t the earthly high priest, he would take blood, go into the Holy of Holies, into, beyond the curtain, beyond the veil, offer atonement. Jesus himself, in his resurrected sacred humanity, offers not the blood of goats and bulls, he offers his own blood beyond the veil before the Father, this infinitely valuable sacrifice that atones for our sinfulness. Okay, then... This imagery of the anchor, which is our hope. What is our hope? That we, right now, the body, right? We are the mystical body of Christ. We, the body, are being drawn to where the head has gone before us. Christ is the head. We are the body. This is Paul's theology. Right? He is the head, we are the body. We, the body, are being drawn to where the head has gone. We, the sheep, are being drawn to where the, sh where the brave shepherd has gone. Like, our hope is this. And this is an astounding thing I've been meditating on recently. Our hope is this, that our humanity, your humanity, like, like the humanity that you're sitting in right now, your humanity, is right now... Like right now, it's attached to his sacred humanity, which is right now in the life of the Trinity. 
because of your baptism, because of my baptism, Jesus' divine humanity, his divinity has joined itself to our humanity. He's united himself to us. Which means that right now, like, he's not separated that union. So right now, his sacred humanity that is participating in the life of the Trinity is attached to your humanity that is sitting here right now. There's like a part of you that's living the Trinitarian life right now. And as you consume his flesh and blood, as we consume his flesh and blood, we get tethered more deeply, anchored more firmly to that destiny as if it's like right here. Can you see it? It's right here, right? It's astounding. It's astounding. So like his resurrected life is drawing us home is the point. Like Jesus risen from the dead is our hope because the resurrection of the body was not just a gift for him. It wasn't as though the father said, son, I'm going to do this for you. No, the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of the body is the destiny of every body. And as we participate daily in the sacramental life of the church, eating his flesh, drinking his blood, we are growing within us this resurrected life. It's an astounding thing. I know that's a lot for 8 o'clock in the morning, but letter to the Hebrews, what can you do? It's so rich and so theologically significant and beautiful. So let our hearts rest in this amazing anchor, which is our hope that Christ is already where our humanity is being led. Amen.